0: This is the 966 episode 75. Hello. Yes.
1: 75. It is. We're agreed on that. It's nice when there's so many. You have to. It's hard keeping track. So So this is 75.
0: And I apologize to all the listeners and viewers for my voice, which appears to come and go these days, um, like a windstorm in uh, the Saudi desert. We have a really good one this week, Richard. Just you and me. How exciting! Uh, but we've got some really good topics to get to. Um, had Have had some really, really good guests recently on the program. Jacob Mom, Doa El-Sala. I suggest our leader, uh, listeners and viewers go back and watch or listen to those episodes. They've been just, those guests were just so good. All of our guests are good, Richard. But um, we're on a roll here.
1: It is nice. And if we don't, you know, we have guests. So we've done, we, we've been about this about 15 months. We've done 75 episodes, 50 guests, 50 plus guests. Um, and we do weekly because uh, you know, think about it. When we first started this, you you know, I've, the Saudi U.S. Trade Group was founded in uh, 2008, but we've been working plowing this field for decades. You joined in two before that. Um, think about if we were trying to do something on Saudi Arabia every week, we wouldn't have things to talk about. Now. If we don't do something every week, an episode that talks about, for example, you know, our one big things or our our six yellows, it just races on. And there's, you know, scads, uh, more topics that, you know, we have to, we have to get to or interesting or worthwhile getting to. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that the rate of change and the rate of uh, activity in, in, in the kingdom is uh, just uh, almost unfathomable five, 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, and just just look at our newsletter Richard, I mean it keeps getting longer and longer and it's not because we're being more or less selective there's just so much going on, including topics we will be getting to this week Richard Uh, leap, which just concluded in Riyadh a major tech sort of show that happened over four days there. We've got some really exciting topics in our yellow program as well. The yellow segment in our program, I should say. <clears throat> My voice sounds like I just returned from a very rowdy wedding. So again, I'm very <laughs> sorry. Yeah, very behind on sleep this week. I and hope you okay. went to a rowdy wedding. that well worth I, it. I have not been to one in a while. I'm overdue. It's almost wedding season, though. Um, and Richard, we will be taking a break next week from programming, maybe. Um, so if we don't appear next week, um, Uh, popping up on your podcast app then we will be back the following week um but i will be in Riyadh, and um maybe we'll do one though richard we'll we'll talk about it uh, how to see how it works um but yeah richard let's um get going oh wait before we before we do that uh please subscribe to this wherever you're getting it or seeing it it is cool we've had a really big bump in subscriptions in the last couple of weeks so that's very motivating for the 966 boys um so thank you for everybody who's Joining us and for all the new faces, uh, thank you. And I hope you enjoy the content. Uh, yeah,
1: it's, it's fun. I mean, uh, YouTube is just one of our platforms, mm-hmm. but it's fun when that ticks over to one K plus, so now we're in an, uh, you know, that indeterminate area where very few podcasts or, you know, get to, uh, where they just round, you know, they just give the big, they give the the thousands figure. Uh, so again, thank you for everyone who's subscribing. Mm -hmm. It's extraordinary the growth we've seen in in a very short period of time. Thank you, thank you.
0: Yeah, Richard, it's a determination thing, you know. It's just like a last man standing. We just keep showing up every week. Um, This is going to really start to see good growth and that's what we've seen so again one more thing though comment section on youtube uh there's been some interesting ones this week so please uh just make sure you're civil to each other on the comment section um which we love seeing all the comments there so thank you to everybody for that uh richard let's get going what's your one big thing this week
1: So i think our one big things um are in the same sort of general area um I sort of went down, uh, as is my habit, sort of, you know, pulled on a thread and kept following and following it. Um, I happened to be in communication with Adam Saminsky, who was a friend of ours. He's senior advisor and former president of the King Abdullah Petroleum Studies and Research Center, CAPSAR, which he he was also a, a guest for episode number 22. Awesome, awesome episode on renewable energy and energy transition and any number of other topics. CAPSARC is really a leading think tank and resource re- research center in Saudi Arabia. So anyway, what what prompted my reaching out to, to Adam was that the 44th International Association for Energy Economics, the IAEE conference, uh, has just been completed. So it was held in Riyadh from February 4 to 9 this month. And... It's the, this is the 44th International. It's the very first one held in the MENA region, so Middle East, North Africa, and hosted, of course, in Riyadh. So I'm looking at it, and, and this is something that everyone, if you're paying attention, is, is, is aware of, either you know, subliminally or, or specifically. The number of events that Saudi Arabia is hosting and convening nowadays is extraordinary. I happened to hear the Minister of Commerce, is actually uh, Dr. Majid al mentioned the other day that in 2022 they held held 22, 26 rather, global events. So obviously, you know, huge exhibits, forums, conferences, whatever that had a global global audience. Um, and it, if you look at like scheduling for Saudi Arabia, I just checked and for for the month of of February, 177 major events, exhibits, forums. This is again, this is a place where nobody went to five, 10 years ago. And now it's convening events at a, a, a extraordinary pace. And I just wanted to go through a couple of them because this is just for February. So we have the what I just mentioned, the, I, uh, the IAEE conference. Um, you have upcoming, we just completed the LEAP forum, which you're gonna talk about, that's your one big thing. So I'll leave it to you. Wait! Don't
0: ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't ruin it.
1: Um, huge event um, uh, later this month is the Big Five, which is a, the largest construction conference in the region. Forty plus countries, seven hundred plus exhibitors. Um, you know, you're going to have you're going to have people booing international. Um, you know, exhibits from twelve major countries. You know, talking about a man construction sector. Um, let me just read just a few that are going on this month in, in, in Riyadh. This is just examples. International Conference on Smart Computing and Application. Uh, Capital Markets, ESG Finance, Saudi Arabia. Um, LEAP, I- IAE that I just mentioned. The uh, International Algae Conference and Exhibition. Uh, International Conference on Medical and Health Science. Um, and so on. The Riyadh International Humanitarian Forum. It, you know, these these again, these are just this month, which is a short month, and they're in Riyadh, they're in Damam, they're in Jeddah, um, and that's just sort of the conventions and convening. We just finished the Saudi tour cycling event in Alula, just completed the Saudi International Golf Tournament over King Abdullah Economic City, um, Formula One is coming up in March. Uh, and these are not even including things, the annual future investment forum, which I do every year is huge into global nature, future minerals forum. Uh, another, they just did the second one of that, uh, another big event or their biannual defense show, which, uh, they just started up, just had the first one last year. So they'll do the next one in 2024. So I guess, uh, just an extraordinary amount of activity in Saudi Arabia, and I can connect this into some of the other things they're doing globally. I won't go go any further with this. They're raising their profile tremendously. They're becoming a a destination not only for tourists uh, and and you know historical sites and 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 things that are of interest to people who want to come see Saudi Arabia, but also people who want to come do business in Saudi Arabia or convene in their specific sector and discipline in Saudi Arabia. Things we haven't seen before. Uh, and at a pace we we couldn't imagine.
0: Yeah, I mean they they couldn't have done it before because they didn't have the the capacity in terms of visas to accommodate visitors for forums like this. So right. you would have to do so under a business visa, which, uh, given the difficulty of of uh, acquiring that back in the day, would have really yeah. limited the number of people that could have gone to events like this. Yeah, I mean, and then this ties in very closely, Richard, with tourism. I mean, you're, you're getting, I mean, one of those events that you mentioned was a massive tourism, the World Tourism Show. Um, I mean, that, I think that was just in January or, or December. But I mean, these are, these are global events. These are a lot of people that are attending them, um, like those that attended 6,000 plus that attended the High in October, you know, a lot, of, for a lot of those people, that was their first time ever visiting Saudi Arabia. So you'll have a lot of these people coming into the country And seeing it for the first time, having their expectations completely shattered. And yeah, I mean, there are a lot of events. You can actually go onto Google and type in events in Riyadh and Google has sort of a kind of an algorithm to aggregate all the ongoing events in Riyadh. And they have really a lot of them that I've never even heard of. Really small niche like industry algae international algae exhibit. Well, that's a major that's a major <laughs> i'm sorry big I don't... Event, um, for algae enthusiasts um, and, and algae scientists actually i bet that ties in very closely with energy um but, but yeah i mean uh there are some very interesting ones but if you do that in google you also see a lot of the purely social events which would seem ridiculous a few years ago because there's just yeah. no way to visit Saudi as a tourist. But you know, you have Boulevard Riyadh and some of the sub-events involved with that. So yeah. yeah, very, very interesting. Um, Richard, that does tie in smoothly with my one big thing. It's almost as if we coordinated them. I swear we did not. Um, the major <laughs> annual tech event, Leap, just concluded in Riyadh. Leap is a four day long event in the kingdom that welcomes thousands of visitors over 700 speakers and 900 exhibitors to Richard then. Yeah. This was a sort of a build out from last year that leap happened last year as well, but this year really had that sort of FII kind of glean to it. Um, just on the subject of attendance for leap, by the way, there was so much, there was so much interest in the event that this year, organizers to their surprise had to actually shut the doors to new attendees on Tuesday after the venue reached maximum capacity. That is insane. If you look online, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, you see videos or photos from Leap. It's a massive People storming the convention. Yeah, so, so for this thing to be oversubscribed, that is really saying something. Anecdotal reports saying that the event was so big, it was a roughly three mile walk just to see it all on foot. Um, which would blow my daily steps completely out of the water. Um, <laughs> there were some big announcements, as these events usually have, and in and, and sort of the fashion of Saudi events, big major Saudi events, they, they start with big announcements um, from some of the top speakers, and then it gets into sort of the trade show element. The uh, event kicked off with some headline-grabbing major announcements from Minister of Communications and Information Technology, Abdullah al-Shwaha, In a keynote, a a name, if I messed up, I'm so sorry, please send me an email (laughs) and I will correct it. I'll practice it on my flight to Riyadh this week. Um, The minister announced investments worth $9 billion to support future technologies, digital entrepreneurship, tech startups. Richard, I thought it was really interesting and we talked about this. A lot of that $9 billion was from US companies, Mm -hmm. um, Oracle, Microsoft, Zoom. We have Meta is going to build the first Metaverse Academy in the Middle East, North Africa region, which will be headquartered in Riyadh. Um, There's really a lot to go into about this event. We don't need to go into all of it, but there was a lot of stuff that seemed very interesting. Two contests, the Rocket Fuel competition and the Alibaba Cloud hackathon with big prize pools aimed at rewarding Saudi-based startups. Um, yeah, I mean, the the launch of the Saudi China Entrepreneur Association, which uh, is, as Americans, is not something we want to hear, but is just shows that Saudi Arabia is moving ahead on the tech front in that respect. There was one article I want to mention, Richard, just to wrap this up. It, it's It was sort of weird to see this, but there was an Arab News article which sort of had a bit of a mixed blessing tint on the whole thing, uh, being so oversubscribed. Um, cited some people who were disappointed with the event's master planning. Some interesting quotes uh, in there. An experience in planning development manager told Arab News that, quote, user journeys were not planned out correctly. Only the main pathway had ushers organizing all the human traffic. All the other pathways were disorganized and not clear. The distribution <laughs> of booths did not allow for smooth transitions from one space to another. But rather created even more traffic. Um, this made me think, Richard, of the huge events that we worked together to organize here in the yeah. United States and yeah. Chicago, Atlanta, and Los Angeles. Huge business opportunities forums, just and those were twelve, thirteen hundred people. Yeah. done in coordination with the U.S. Saudi Business Council and, and other stakeholders. And those those took you know almost a whole year to plan out. Um, you know, just every little detail you have to really think about when you're planning (laughs) events like this. So for Leap with, you know, thousands and thousands of visitors and sort of a combination uh, exhibition and then also conference style format, a lot like FII. I mean, the logistics of that are so hard to pin down, especially for in Riyadh. So, I mean, um, it seemed like it went off I mean, maybe not without a hitch, but it was very well received, especially from seeing what I'm seeing online. A lot of excitement about what's happening in in, in Saudi Arabia right now. Well, and it's um, <clears throat> that's
1: a good one, Lucian. And you're right. There's these things. You know, the, the detail is endless, and it's a huge undertaking. I mean, just trying to the the visual and the graphics involved, and all the all the digital displays. It's just mind bending, honestly. But you know, your your one big thing and my one thing speaks to Nobody's being forced to go to Saudi Arabia. They want to go there because there's business, there's scale, uh, and there's opportunity. And there's spending, you know, and that's the big thing. And, and you look at the, the leap. This is the second leap, and it has its growing pains. So numbers were enormous, oversubscribed. The, the granddaddy of all you know, technology, you know, uh, events in the region have always been JITEX, uh, GTEx, G, you know, the Gulf Information Technology Exhibition in Dubai. They had the 42nd edition in October, the 42nd edition. So it's a big deal. People go there. They want to be. This is the second one in Saudi Arabia. It's a big deal and maybe even a bigger deal. Why? Just like I said, you know, scale, opportunity, spending, you know, it's got a Saudi Arabia has a different gravity to it. And when they start doing these events, you can see why they're so oversubscribed. Another example is, you know, the, the, uh, the, the air show, defense air show, again, in Abu Dhabi. It's always been sort of the granddaddy in the region. Last year, the, the Saudi Arabia did its first uh, world defense show. Huge! It'll be again huge next year. So you can see them sort of gathering into Saudi Arabia. This is we're spending. We have the economy. We have the scale. We have the opportunities, and they're just going to continue to be again. If uh, we've talked about this before, Saudi Arabia's in a wonderful moment right now, where everything's rolling forward. But um, you can see that once Saudi Arabia decided to make you know, visas is easy to get, to promote tourism, to make it just a much easier process to come and be in the country. And once they decided to, to really promote these sectors, again, be it technology, defense, future investment, minerals, whatever, people will come because there's opportunity there. And it's a great way to raise the country's profile. They're doing a good job. Uh, and it's a whole new, it's a whole new ball game for Saudi Arabia to be a point, not, you know, I don't have to convince you to come
0: to Saudi. We're going to put on the show and we're going to be oversubscribed. Mm-hmm. Just a really good point. I'm not going to add anything to that. Cause that's, that's all really good. And, and, um, there's leap talking about leap. We could do a whole show on it. And so it was good to do like a one big thing combined with your one big thing about all the stuff going on in Saudi Arabia. I'm sure there'll be another big event next week. Um, and, and then the week after that, and the week after that, and then eventually it'll be really hot. Yeah. And the events will slow down a little exactly. bit. Exactly.
1: Well, well, Ramadan's coming up. Ramadan's coming up. And <laughs> yep. then, and then Hajj. Well, some Ramadan, some are Hajj.
0: So yeah, it absolutely. will slow down. You're exactly right. Yeah, but it just, I mean, and they're packing it in and it's 80 degrees in Riyadh today. So it's, uh, what, 40 here or so. Actually, it's pretty nice here. Yeah. Um, but I it haven't was. been outside, so it, um, it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, Richard, let's go. So, no guests this week. We will be back either with a partial episode or a full episode, or we actually don't have a plan yet. But um, we have so many great guests coming in the next coming weeks. So, we're just going to jump right into yellow. Beauty. Nice and week. clean and quick. Right now, yeah, we're going to just drive to the hoop. Yella. That's right. Saudi in a minute. And uh, Richard will kick us off as he always does, ably. Number one. I need a, by the way, I need a reader. I need like a, you know how you hire somebody to do a voice reading or like a reenactment. I need like somebody... Or like in uh, Little Mermaid, where uh, Ursula steals Ariel's voice. That's what I need right now. If anybody didn't know, we should <laughs> has some young kids. <laughs>
1: yes, I do. <laughs> I, I, that reference is in my brain, but it's been the far, re, you know, far back of it. Uh, you know, because it's been a while since I watched Little. I'm Mermaid. I'm glad you know what I'm talking
0: about. Though, <laughs> is it as good as ever? It is. I did watch it last week. It's uh, it's, it's as good as ever. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic. It's, it's a timeless uh, classic. Yeah.
1: Um, number one, Hajj 2023. Saudi Arabia extends Nasuk program to more countries. Um, Saudi Arabia has expanded, and I don't know if this is correct, so I'm guessing. Saudi Arabia has expanded its Nasuk program for Hajj pilgrims to more countries around the world. Nasuki is a unified government portal that helps pilgrims to apply and pay online for electronic visas, book flights, and pay for accommodation and transport. The move will benefit pilgrims from from Europe, the U.S., Australia, and more than 58 countries and will, quote, raise the quality of the services provided to enrich the religious and cultural experience while also achieving the objectives of the Kingdom's Vision 2030 programs, unquote. Uh, said the Ministry of Hajj and Umbra, according to the Saudi Press Agency.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's already expanding. They launched this in 2022, so that's interesting. The Ministry also announced plans for a free contactless card during the Hajj Expo in Jeddah, which will contain a pilgrim's personal information, including their address and health records, and will be linked to a smartphone and application. I just thought this whole article was pretty interesting there's just so much mm. te- uh, development going on this also fits into the leap thing of saudi arabia really putting technology first and actually fits quite well into our conversation with dr doa al-sala last week who is sort of was, well she spoke to sort of the forward thinking and and the tech forward posture of saudi arabia when it comes to managing health for the masses yeah. so it just yeah. yeah i mean this is really a cool one i i like this
1: um well, first of all, Nusuk offers more than 120 services, so it's it's sort of like Absher and other other you know apps that they've introduced where you can do a, just a boatload of things on it. But I I found really interesting that the the Minister of Hajj, who is um, who we know uh, and is quite capable, uh, he mentioned that the objectives it, it also achieving the objectives of the Kingdom's Vision 2030 programs because this is this is a pilgrimage thing but it it has multiple wins one is it's digitization you know which they're trying to achieve two it it is providing better oversight and monitoring for these pilgrims um they can offer a better quality of experience but you know at the same time you know you bring in this central clearinghouse really of pilgrims it's you know you know this is this is a, a, a an asset to have all these you know, people under one roof, because you can, you can take the opportunity to grow additional tourism. You know, you can promote and market. Hey, you know, you are here for the Hajj or Umrah, why don't you stay a little bit? Um, you can cross market things. It's, it's really, uh, really in keeping with things that they want to do, which provide a better pilgrim experience, obviously, but also promote tourism, promote spending in the country, build the business, um, it's it's really a I find it I think it's a great idea I hope it's you know implemented well and I hope that the 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 value for the pilgrim is improved you know because maybe it's a little less local you know before they'd have um, a- travel agents who are who are deputized or you know authorized to do these things now it's brought under into one portal so that those people are frozen out uh, but hopefully the service is better but you know, from Saudi Arabia's perspective, of getting access to 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 not only provide a better service but monetize in a greater way these visitors, it's a win-win.
0: Yeah, agreed. Yellow number two, the Big Five Saudi, which we'll be talking about. Which, we, excuse me, we just talked about a little bit. But the eleventh edition of the Big Five Saudi, organized by DMG Events, a major event organizer in the in the region. Will take place at the Riyadh Front Exhibition Center and uh, Riyadh Front Exhibition and Conference Center. Excuse me, from February eighteenth, my birthday, to the twenty-first of February, twenty twenty-three. The largest construction event in Saudi Arabia will bring together twenty-eight thousand, whoa, attendees and over seven hundred and fifty local and international exhibitors from forty countries, showcasing the latest in construction innovations and technology. Twelve country pavilions will shine the spotlight on construction solutions from. Italy, Germany, Greece, Poland, Spain, Egypt, China, Kuwait, Turkey, Qatar, Austria, and India. Glad I got all 12 of those in there. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, Richard just, just jumping into it. I mean, I think construction in the next seven years in Saudi Arabia, leading up to vision 2030 massive.
1: Yeah. So again, Saudi real estate construction Mm -hmm. alone, uh, is expected to be 324 billion by the end of this year, 9% uh, growth rate. Uh, there's a reason that's why people are coming. This is what we talked about in our one big things. And, you know, this is the 11th edition of the big five Saudi. It's gotten bigger every year. I'm guessing at the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, that you didn't have country pavilions, you know, people coming from Italy, Germany, Greece, Poland, Spain, Egypt, China, Kuwait, Turkey, Qatar, Austria, and India, you know, to show their wares and to promote their construction methods or, or what they have to offer again because the market's really uh especially compared to other down markets globally it's really attractive people are
0: showing up it's just so cool i know a couple of people that will be going and have already posted to linkedin that they're excited for it i mean it's just going to be a huge event i bet there's some really cool pavilions i, I mean, agree it seems like
1: there's some cool stuff there i bet you see some cool exhibits <laughs> um number 3 Saudi, M- Saudi MBS, Saudi Mohammed bin Salman, offers to build stadiums in Greece and Egypt if they join World Cup bid. Uh, Saudi Arabia has offered to pay for new football stadiums in Greece and Egypt in return for their alliance and jointly bidding to host the 2030 World Cup. The joint bid between the three friendly countries is in competition with a joint European bid by Spain, Portugal, and Ukraine, and a joint South American bid by Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, and Chile. The window for bids opened in June last year, and the decision on the tournament will be voted on by the 200 member FIFA Congress in 2024.
0: Yeah, this is a really sensational headline and story. Yeah. I think, Richard, there was also uh, actually a Reuters article that came out just after we published uh, the newsletter today about a tit for tat ongoing between Egypt and Saudi media. And Um, You know, which is interesting because there's been such warm relations between Egypt and Saudi Arabia in the previous few years. Um, As we discussed before on the program here, Richard, the bid, including Ukraine, is a bit problematic right now, of course, given everything going on there. The the tragedy of the Russian invasion. Um, South America's bid is interesting. Those countries will already have the infrastructure ready, just like the United States does for the 2026 World Cup. Uh, United States, Canada, and Mexico, I should say. Uh, But the Saudis, I mean, as the headline says, they have money. And Qatar's success proves the World Cup in the Middle East is doable and maybe was one of the best World Cups ever. So um, as long – I mean, this is interesting. We know that there have been a lot of problems with the selection process for World Cup host countries in previous years, but um, this will be very interesting. So we'll know in 2024, which is next year, yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah, I think that this was interesting when we included it. Uh, it was an article and broken, it was broken by Politico. And last week, one of the yellows was the um, uh, Visit Saudi becoming a major sponsor of the Women's World Cup, FIFA Women's World Cup, and the uproar about that. Of course, people are up in arms about this. Um, I don't get it. You know, it, it, there was obviously with the, the 2022. Uh, FIFA World Cup, you know, accusations of corruption and buying a, and that sort of thing. Saudi Arabia, in this case, is going all right. You know, th- we're not, we're not bending. That we're not corrupting. We're not trying to buy this. We're we're coming up with a, a you know, an option and a bid that is along in the same vein as what uh, you know Europeans are doing and and South American uh, countries are doing. And by the way, if um, if we're in a, in a position to uh, help key partners, one an EU member, and obviously Egypt, a uh, uh, Middle East and African powerhouse, um, to strengthen our bid by building much of the infrastructure. Well, heck yeah, we'll do that. And I thought it was interesting uh, comment. And by the way, if you if you subscribe or receive the Saudi uh, our Arsuic Review, one of the uh, quoted. Uh, Topics we lead everything with with a quotable quoted, and then three features, four features, one feature, and then three other you know uh, you know top storylines. But one of the quotas was, and I'll do it, and I'll quote: Saudi Arabia strategically trying to position itself as an Afro-Eurasian hub, the center of a new world order. This positioning would enable Saudi Arabia to exert significant power and influence across a vast geographic area which it is seeking to achieve by building relationships with key partners, unquote. That was Simon Chadwick, professor of sport and geopolitical economy at Schema Business School in Paris. So I guess my point is, is people are all offended. What is Saudi Arabia doing? I mean, it's such, you know, it's outrageous. All right. Again, as we talked about last week, I don't think Saudi Arabia cares. Saudi Arabia has bigger plans. I think this is a fascinating observation, an Afro-Eurasian hub. Absolutely. You know, Saudi Arabia would sees itself as a middle power, an emerging emerging power. It wants to be a a nexus between Asia, Africa, and Europe. It's positioning itself to do just that, and if sport helps them to
0: do it, why not? I mean, Saudi Arabia is not some, you know, nascent soccer. I mean, they they beat Argentina as a national team. Al-Halal is now in the club world. Oh, that's a uh, that's a yellow championship. Is it okay? Cool. I haven't read ahead at all, <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, but I mean, that's this is this fits into many things like these these events thing we were talking about earlier. This really fits into a, a larger strategy, a larger plan that you can kind of see coming together. And it's like the only only suggestion I might have for Saudi Arabia is if they're going to be building these stadiums in Greece and Egypt, that they should make them like the stadium in Qatar that can be completely disassembled and taken down and moved right. somewhere else. So they can right. loan them the stadium and then put it on a barge and float it across <laughs> the Mediterranean and then right into Niam and then get the a little sports <laughs> that he set up there.
1: <laughs> well, one of the interesting things about this is Athens, I guess is, you know, and we also, you know, this is one of the great things about showing up every week with this show and doing all the segments. We did a specific segment about the fact that Mohammed bin Salman visited Greece twice in 2022.
0: That was your one big thing. I think that was your one big thing of 2022. Like the that was, one that uh, I like the most. So I was like, that is so original. <laughs> you know, um, well,
1: well, and they were talking about uh, hydrogen, uh, green hydrogen from from NEOM, you know, using Greece as a hub for Europe. Uh, great. But they were also having other conversations. Clearly, this is one of them. Mm-hmm. And in Greece, Greece, you know, they had the, uh Athens had the 2004 Olympics, they spent 9 billion euros and you know, and built 30, 30 venues, most of them remain unused. And, and you know, they would, you know, a lot of Greek citizens were up in arms, you know, after they've gone through some bankruptcy and some difficult times, why are we spending money on that? So, so, you know, good Saudi Arabia saying, all right, we're not, you, you're not gonna have a saddle yourself with that this time. Yeah, you know, we'll cover this and we'll do it a little more creatively and and with the ingenuity that you just suggested. Um, But again, just like whether you like it or not, their sports outreach has many, many secondary and even many not even secondary, but many other motivations, many other reasons to be doing it, many other knock on positive effects, either back to society at home
0: or geopolitically around the region. Just look, Richard, at um, the Live Golf situation. It's a little bit of a tangent, but it, I think it's relevant here, because when Live Golf was first announced, all you saw online, and, and I think a good barometer is generally to go into a comment section um, on Instagram, and, and sort of because they filter by most popular, you can kind of see, you can take a good pulse of what's going on. For the live golf situation about a year ago at this time all you saw was personal vitriol against individual players who were defecting and how they were taking the money and how it was ruining the sport and now what you see is you know commentators uh basically bashing live golf saying we shouldn't let these players in shouldn't let them play in the masters we shouldn't have them be allowed to play in the Ryder cup and everybody in the comment section is like, actually, I kind of want to see the best players in the world play each other. I kind of don't care anymore about this versus that. The situation is what it is. It's sort of similar to this. The other thing that um, just thought about this, Richard, the you look at these three different groups bidding, right? They're they're basically consortia. consortia. Same deal. It's several uh, countries trying to put their resources together and say, hey, let's do this. I mean, and the next one is in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. It's three countries actually makes Qatar seem very impressive for, you know, being the last country to host it <clears throat> purely on its own without, you know, another country, essentially. Right. So that's a good and, point. Uh, sorry, I just keep rapid firing points here. I can't even talk. So I don't know why I'm doing this, but um, really interesting, the economic figures that will come out. We've seen all the third quarter ones now for Saudi Arabia. We're going to get the fourth quarter ones, I think, starting next week. Maybe the week after, and what's interesting about that is we're going to see a huge. They've already been impressively high, but I think we're going to see a big bump on top of that from all the World Cup uh, economic tourism uh, numbers. Tourism numbers just juicing everything up. So long, 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 long uh, response there, but I think that's this is really interesting. We will stay on top of this on 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 the nine six six. And Richard, we should try to get somebody in from the World Cup uh, committee or somebody from Saudi Arabia if possible, because I I feel like they'd be. Super Mm -hmm. interesting. Yellow number four, foreign direct investment. Oh, wait. So I should should have read down even one sentence. It'd be a nice little transition. Foreign direct investment inflows into Saudi Arabia rose 10.7% in the third quarter of 2022 over the same period a year earlier. Figures from the investment ministry showed that FDI inflows totaled 7.2 billion reals, $1.9 billion in the third quarter according to the investment ministry's latest monthly bulletin published on Monday versus 6.5 billion reals in the third quarter of 2021.
1: Yeah. There was a sister when we did this, cover this for the Sister review, we added up a, a related, and that was that there's a 54% jump in investment licenses in 2022 issued licenses, uh, which is up, uh, so up 54% over 2021. And, um, so, so again, this is, this is everything that Saudi Arabia is after, you know, they've got to move past government spending and, and priming that pump and have foreign investment and local investment come in. And these we're seeing some nice trends and some encouraging trends. And then once again, it all goes to trying to refashion the, the investment environment and the regulatory environment. So it is attractive to investment. So these are good,
0: these are good metrics to see. And and hats off to the Ministry of Investment Misa. We've had Deputy Minister Saad al-Shahrani, Dr. Saad al-Shahrani on the program. Those guys have such a broad mission. So it's cool to see them sort of deliver because their missions like just generally attract investment into the country. And one thing they're doing very well, Richard, as you know, is is really monitoring it very well and and kind of you know, I mean, these these reports that are coming out, these monthly bulletins are are fairly new and they're excellent. They're really excellent. They um, so, yeah, they really
1: are. And uh, they do have a massive mandate and a broad mandate and they're active. They're involved with everything. Almost everything you see some sort of the ministry investment has some some hand in it or some facilitating role to play in it. Yeah. So it's nice um, that they're getting good news. And I agree with you. Those reports are excellent.
0: And I was in Misa's um, building, which is in Riyadh D- Digital City, in I think it was November, and it, just going in there felt like a tech startup. It just everybody's walking around; it's packed. There's everybody's kind of younger, good energy, uh, good energy, yeah, good mm-hmm. vibes. So I mean, they're you know they're taking it seriously, so it's pretty Love good. It. Yeah.
1: Number five, uh, Al-Halal beat Flamengo to become first Saudi club to reach the Club World Cup final. Salim Aldosari scored two penalty, penalties as Al-Halal beat Flamengo 3-2 to two, become the first Saudi Arabian club to reach the FIFA Club World Cup final. Al-Halal uh, will go head-to-head against five-time FIFA Club World Cup winner Real Madrid in the final this Saturday after the Spanish team's
0: 4-1 drubbing of
1: Egypt's Al-Ali.
0: This was a very lucrative win for members of Al Halal, who received both uh, one million rials from Prince Awalid bin Talal, who just stroked a check to each player saying, "I'm so happy." And then also the Minister of Sports uh, wrote a check to each player for half a million real, which is hundred and oh man, my math, hundred and sixty something thousand dollars. So I mean. Every player made about four hundred thousand dollars plus with yeah, this so win.
1: So what is that? A million reals is two hundred sixty-six thousand. So a five hundred thousand is half hundred thirty. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. So so almost up to four hundred. Yeah. So I mean,
0: and that's awesome. Um, it's also really cool that this is. I mean, this is the second huge thing for Saudi soccer in the last couple months. With you know the win against Argentina being the first. Yeah. So, and so, then some would argue argue the acquisition of Cristiano Ronaldo being uh the local celeb there now. Um well, but they're yeah, just really cool. If there were bars in Saudi
1: Arabia, <laughs> would Salem al-Dosri ever have to buy a beer? No, I that's mean, a great
0: point. He, he was the not. game
1: winner against Argentina in the World Cup. <laughs> he scores two in the first thing, you know, trip to the semifinals in the club form. I mean, he's
0: he is <laughs> he's celebrated wherever he goes. He's like Gronk in New England. You know, he <laughs> just shows up. And
1: <laughs> that's amazing. <He's> like, that's... <laughs> um, the other thing, that's one thing. One, Salam al should never have to buy Saudi champagne anywhere in the, in the kingdom. Um, the other is, it speaks to what we've talked about in the whole run-up to FIFA and other things, is the depth of Sa- the Saudi soccer culture is not recent. Uh, you know, it started back in the uh, professional league started in the seventies. You know, Al Halal has been good for a long time. Al Nasser has been good for a long time. These have turned out some good soccer players. And it's really interesting that, you know, so, you know, to get to the world cup club final is a huge achievement and it's, it it doesn't just happen. You have to have a culture and you have to have a long record, a track record of building uh, talent and building teams, um, so, again, it just speaks to things that we've talked about. There's depth in that Saudi <clears> culture that's not just a recent fad. It's a, it's an ongoing passion. Mm-hmm. Flamingo.
0: Yeah, Flamengo, pretty, pretty cool name for a team. <laughs> <laughs> um, Richard, number six, uh, nice lean episode this week. I'm going to go drink a bunch of lemon tea after this. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Um, Saudi Arabia's, yeah, honey tea. Saudi Arabia's gaming sector gets $488 million funding to boost talent and development. The kingdom's gaming industry received a boost with new funding worth $488 million as the kingdom pushes forward in positioning itself as a global leader in the industry. The financing is being provided by the Saudi Esports Federation, the National Development Fund, and the Social Development Bank. It targets both the gaming and esports sectors. And the gaming industry in Saudi Arabia, the Saudi, the Arab world's largest economy, is poised to grow two hundred and fifty percent by twenty thirty, with esports leading the growth. A recent study from YouGov found. I am. Um,
1: this is interesting, and I like I like this because we talk about a couple things about on this show, and and one is uh Saudi Arabia going where global industries are healthy and thriving. You know, we talk about aviation, tourism, <clears throat> other areas. Uh, interesting data point. The latest research from firm New Zoo shows that the global gaming market will grow by approximately 15% by 2025. This will be a jump from around 184 billion in 2022 to 211.2 billion in, uh, I'm sorry, in 2022 now. So it'll go from 184 now to 212 billion roughly in 2025, 15%. So, So it's a global industry that's growing. Um, That's one point. So Saudi Arabia is is investing in something. But this is the other one that I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I'll throw this out. 966, Saudi-based game development company, you know, says MENA. The MENA region boasts almost as many gamers as Europe. 377 million versus 386 million. The survey further says that the number of game startups in Saudi Arabia should almost double from 13 in 2021 to 20 to 24 in 2022, make it the fastest growing domestic market. So my point is, and, and maybe you agree, Saudi Arabia engaged in a a 10 uh, year lucrative contract with the World Wrestling the WWE. That was one of their first forays into global sports franchises. I really think that was motivated by the fact of their youth love WWE wwe you know that it was a really a, a significant uh, point of interest for the youth in saudi arabia saudi arabia sort of went out and said you know well we'll if you know if if, if it's good for our youth we're going to go out and support it you can see some of that in the e-games too huge huge interest in saudi arabia growing saudi arabia and saudi arabia is looking to not only support that and reinforce it but also to bring a whole industry develop a whole industry saudi based industry is what they're trying to do so it's a it's again it's another win win it it's culturally appropriate cuz the youth are really really into it it's also a good strategy uh, commercially and economically because it's a growing sector of the uh, in, in, globally so again it's a, it's it's a two for in my opinion um so it's it's really interesting
0: how heavily they're going into this yeah and um the pif and uh some of their investment vehicles that they've owned have made a lot of investments into esports startups or esports equities so um what what's interesting about esports and they've had so many local tournaments as well richard that We've talked about before, sort of, I mean, back to all the events they're having there. I mean, they've had a lot of, um, I don't know what the equivalent is of e meetups, like hackathons, but for esports um, yeah. competitions, I guess. But um, what's interesting too is uh, with the investments that are going to be made that were announced at Leap, a lot of them, I mean, a, a you know, majority of the money going in are major U.S. companies putting money into cloud, servers and cloud storage you know to because saudi arabia is increasingly a digital culture and 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 that's the backbone of e-gaming and e-sports is being able to provide servers and online networking for esports and e-games um yeah this is a this is interesting that, that this is a lot of money to be putting into this and to be sort of reinforcing that industry and we don't even mention savvy games i mean they spent uh
1: you know one and a half billion dollars in acquiring gaming firms uh again much to the chagrin of many people across the globe you know oh my goodness what's saudi arabia doing well it's buying itself into a major growing market that's that that makes uh, significant uh, segments of its population happy it's good policy
0: by the way richard this uh Game Developer Support System 966. I, you know, it's a little close to our name. We should, uh, <laughs> make sure we fend them off from uh, any sort of hostile acquisition of the real 966 which is what we're doing here but um, really interesting obviously many people have commented saying that they love that name because it is the country code for Saudi Arabia so when you do what Richard and I do you hear it all the time it's a natural name for this program and this is a natural finish to episode 75 of the 966 Um, Richard let's try for next week we can uh, work on that Um, and yeah a good one